0: Hello and welcome to another T-Rex Talk. This one is going to be talking about the Tree of Liberty. Uh, As we get closer to Independence Day, uh, July 4th, I thought this would be a pretty good topic. And I've been thinking about a bunch of different aspects of this. And I'm recording this outside, uh, in the shade of actual trees. So hopefully the insect noise isn't too bad. Because you guys uh, already have seen the title and heard me mention that this is going to be about the Tree of Liberty... Uh, I know that some of you in the back are already asking, tell us how the tree is refreshed. Tell us how the tree is refreshed. We'll get there. We'll get to the refreshment of the tree of liberty. Because of course this phrase, the tree of liberty, it comes from a famous letter, or at least uh, part of this letter is famous for Thomas Jefferson saying, the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. It is its natural manure. Uh, Usually people don't quote that last part. But well, the context of the letter is very interesting because he was complaining about the English and overall European sentiment of the time. America was seen as a nation of anarchists in a state of anarchy because of the war for American independence, but also the Massachusetts rebellion. And um, he was arguing against anarchy, but he was arguing that there should be liberty, and when there is liberty, the people actually have the capability of resisting uh, their governments in ways that are that are uh, not anarchical. But uh, well, we'll get there. Now as near as I can tell, this does not seem to be a common Metaphor. There isn't a lot of conversation about the Tree of Liberty uh, in the literature letters of that time. This one particular quote of Jefferson's seems like the main one, and it's obviously uh, very uh, captivating, so that's the one that's mostly talked about. Now, there was a liberty tree in Boston that uh, used to be used as a rallying point for well, insurrectionists, mainly. And the Red Codes cut it down at some point for that very reason, and it sort of became a martyr to the cause. But yeah, I, I wanted to flesh out this metaphor of the Tree of Liberty a little bit as I was thinking about the different branches that are really, really important. So again, I'm not really speaking for Jefferson. This isn't something that necessarily dates back to the Founding Fathers. But that being said, tree metaphors are pretty common in other pieces of literature. Today, most metaphors are car-based, but before we had cars, most metaphors and analogies are plant and animal and agriculture-based. A really good one is Psalm 1 that talks about how the righteous man is like a tree who has been firmly planted by streams of water, and the wicked man is not so, he's like chaff, which is just blown away by the wind. So there's this idea that the tree uh, is growing, expanding, flourishing, bearing fruit, It's solid and dependable, and it's capable of lasting a long time. So, if we're talking about a tree of liberty, um, those are also the characteristics that we want from liberty, from a country that is free. And we would want this tree of liberty to have a lot of different branches. In fact, it would require a lot of healthy branches. Branches like art and science, medicine, energy, law enforcement, and justice. This is a very important one. We'll get to that later. Uh, The ability to travel freely. Food is a very important one. The ability to grow your own food or have access to food. Or tools or manufacturing capability. And of course, attached to tools and manufacturing capability is guns. A really important branch on this particular tree would be self-defense and the ability to own the tools of defense. Because obviously the the tree of liberty isn't just going to require self-defense. The tree is very large and broad. It's going to require community defense, national defense... It's going to require that people have the freedom to own property, that they can own land. And of course they have to have the freedom to speak freely and to communicate the truth. Now the way that I've mentioned these branches, they're kind of picturing them from the top to the bottom. So like art is at the top. It's not unimportant, but maybe a little less important than pure property and truth-related rights. Uh, There's not exactly a hierarchy, but the way that I'm imagining it is the tree uh, obviously needing these branches to live so that it can continue to grow and bear fruit and throw shade uh, in you know in the good way not in the the internet culture way and this tree can survive losing a few branches and the top branches are a little bit more expendable or well expendable is the wrong word the top branches are easier to regrow if the bottom branches are still intact and still healthy. And that's why the enemies of liberty generally like to start at the bottom. Those foundational branches, uh, like the right to property, the right to self-defense, and the right to life. Those are the ones that that really get attacked first. But the truth is that uh, losing any of these branches... Um, the liberty for for the people to participate in any of these branches or be part of any of these branches is kind of of a huge deal. So um, there's actually a law that was being suggested uh, in Australia that people would not be permitted to grow their own food. And the justification for this was the safety of the food supply, the security of the food supply in Australia was so important that uh, citizens couldn't actually be a part of it. Unless they were part of some gigantic agribusiness conglomerate with the government. Food becomes a public utility and is run by the government and, you know, etc. This is a terrible idea for a whole bunch of different reasons. Number one, obviously, centralizing everything into one place, putting all of your eggs into one basket does not improve security. But it also really, really removes a freedom that uh, a free people ought to have. Or energy. Uh, I want to do a whole podcast on the way that we currently do... uh, the electrical grid, because it's kind of fascinating how incredibly centralized this thing has become, because it's too important for the free market to really be a part of it. Uh, It really is too important for regular citizens to be a part of it. Even though there is a tremendous push from the government to get solar panels on every house and switch every car out for an electric vehicle, um, this idea is still that you will be dependent upon a gigantic centralized grid run by companies that get their exact marching orders from the government because energy is just far 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 too important for regular people to have much of a part in its generation But believe it or not, not all of the branches on the tree are specifically branches for the private citizen. I actually think that the tree of liberty, for it to be big and to be strong and to be healthy and last a long time and be a benefit to a lot of people, is going to require the institution of civil government. There has to be a way for actual justice to get done, not just in the heat of the moment self-defense, but actually tracking down evildoers and making sure that they have due process of law, just sentencing, and swift execution of real, actual justice. And I believe that that is done by the civil magistrate, not by the mob. And so that's a branch on the tree that is extremely important. I think you also need to have branches for the church and for the family, because I think that it is really important that we understand How we can operate as a society that is relational in nature, uh, not just as a whole bunch of individuals going around and doing whatever we think is best, that's going to benefit us specifically, personally the most, regardless of what's going to happen to other people. And of course, that isn't to say that individuals are not important. Uh, Individuals are incredibly important. Uh, People should not be thought of merely as a giant, collective, shapeless mass. And uh, individual rights are extremely important. The right to self-defense... Uh, the right to defend the individual, the right for the individual to own property. These are incredibly important things, not just for America and the way that America grew and flourished, but this is just really important for human beings, period. Now, of course, this is a T-Rex arms talk, so I'm going to cover guns a little bit more. I actually sort of started thinking along these lines with the Tree of Liberty when I was thinking about Gun culture and the different branches of gun culture. I'm not sure why I expanded it into the entire tree, but I see three very distinctive gun culture branches that exist. Uh, One of them is the NRA. The NRA branch is under constant attack from the enemy. And the NRA branch is, let's be honest, uh, it's got a whole bunch of different things going on with it. It's not healthy. But there is still a fair amount of fruit hanging on that branch. It's dry, old fruit. Uh, From the old days, but you know, there's still people that like that fruit those dried apples that are hanging on the dead NRA branch and it's actually hard to fault them because the other branch um, That I'm the most familiar with is kind of the new gun culture 3.0 internet people branch And a lot of the fruit that's hanging on that branch is just really green Uh, It's really hard to tell if it's ripe or not And it's extremely bitter sometimes. I'm not even just talking like Granny Smith bitter, but there are pieces of fruit growing on the (laughs) Gun Culture 3.0 branch that are distinctly not ripe and not ready for consumption. And it takes a lot more work to actually hang out on this branch and produce useful fruit. And then another gun culture branch is going to be veterans, veterans who come back with combat capability and combat experience and an understanding of weapon systems. And um, oftentimes they uh, are able to talk about a lot of these issues and get a lot of attention because of their experience and a lot of the fruit on this branch is red and it's shiny and it looks delicious and a lot of it is tremendous Um, i don't want to particularly name names but the metaphor makes more sense if i do occasionally you will get an apple on this branch that is like john level or travis haley Somebody who has seen the good and bad parts of the world, they come back and they have a tremendous amount of knowledge and information that they can give to the citizenry. That is a tremendous apple to find on that branch. But uh, occasionally you pick an apple off to that branch that looks really good. You take a bite and a worm sticks its head out and says, civilians don't need to own AR-15s. So yeah, there's, you know, there's a lot of variety out there. Which is really, uh, in many ways, a good thing, because a healthy tree that is large and expansive and can shade a lot of people and produce a lot of fruit is going to require a lot of branches. And in America, I would say that uh, we have that, but not all of the branches are particularly uh, healthy. Even some of the foundational branches that have been under attack uh, for a long time by the agents of uh, well, various nefarious ideologies boring holes in the wood trying to strip off the bark etc they're they're not doing quite as well even though they're still hanging on and they're still definitely better than nothing so for example the rights to private property uh, that's been mostly sawed off by property tax requirements because because you're not actually free to own land in the united states it's not actually yours unless you keep bribing the government to keep it so this this branch of private property is kind of withering away because there's all these limitations that have been placed upon this right and these kind of limitations really stunt the growth of that particular branch um, sometimes there's branches that aren't even branches at all like a giant steel spike that's been driven into the side of the tree and people are pointing that and says look this is your right to safety it's constant surveillance by the government." This isn't good for you. It isn't good for the tree. It isn't a branch, but, uh, but it's there. And then, confusingly, there's a whole bunch of people running around with branches, uh, but they're not actually attached to the trunk. They're holding out branches and saying, this is an important fundamental of liberty, but it isn't. It's not even connected to the trunk at all, which means it's not growing. Uh, it's not capable of holding any weight, and it's not going to bear any fruit. And obviously, this kind of grafting stuff on that doesn't work is another a really famous uh, biblical metaphor related to growing things. Which kind of brings me to a really important point, and that is that we've been talking about the branches. The individual branches, uh, it's really kind of a fun thought exercise to think of what some of the most important ones are, some of the ones that need the most protection or the most nourishing, some of the ones that are most important to us personally. But the trunk of the tree is really, really important. For a tree to grow and to be healthy, obviously, That matters quite a bit. And here in the United States, the Tree of Liberty has a trunk that is essentially built upon Christianity, or the Constitution, which is codified laws and limits and definitions of what liberty is. It's the framework that the branch is actually attached to. It offers the stability uh, and the solidity that is necessary for people to depend upon things. I realize I'm gonna lose a few listeners at this point because I mentioned that Christianity is an indistinguishable part uh, from the constitutional trunk of the American tree, but keep listening because the analogy is gonna get even worse. The need for a trunk, a central trunk. Again, I'm not arguing for a centralized society. Decentralization is extremely important. But the need for a centralized trunk to support and nourish all of these different branches is probably best illustrated by uh, this past week, specifically (laughs) two Supreme Court rulings. Um, The first one I want to talk about is Dobbs versus Jackson. That's the ruling that came out yesterday. But the Dobbs versus Jackson ruling overturns Roe versus Wade. Now, I think it's really important that you understand what the Roe v. Wade, uh, the original Roe v. Wade ruling actually was and what it meant, because uh, almost nothing on the internet today is even remotely accurate as to (laughs) the reality. Almost 50 years ago, the Supreme Court at the time ruled that in the Constitution somewhere there was a right to abortion. And they didn't necessarily say where it was because it certainly isn't something that is described in words. Um, The actual official text of the ruling states that it is an emanation from a penumbra. The fuzzy edge of a shadow from some of the ideas in the Constitution appear to emanate the idea that abortion would in fact be a right given by the government. And then yesterday's Dobbs versus Jackson ruling stated that no, that's a bunch of hogwash. There is actually no such evidence of that penumbral emanation. And there also has to be a recognition that governments do not grant rights. If they do, uh, they can be taken away. If rights can be limited by the government, well, they can be limited down to the point of absolutely nothing. So this idea that rights pre-exist that humans have them, that humans have natural rights that either come from the laws of nature or the laws of nature's God, and governments simply recognize that those rights do, in fact, exist. That actually gives you a strong foundation or a strong trunk that can actually hold up branches and let them grow and flourish. And it just so happens that while the Constitution of the United States does not recognize that there is a right to abortion at all, it does in fact recognize that there is a right to life and it recognizes that there is a right to preserve life and to be armed for the preservation of liberty. So the other really important Supreme Court ruling that came down this past week was the New York... uh, State Pistol Rifle Association versus Bruin, I I forget the actual name, but the Bruin ruling restores a bunch of the limits that were placed on government because of the rights of the individual to protect themselves and to be armed for the protection of liberty. I realize the internet is in a tizzy over this because some people think that it is wildly inconsistent for the Supreme Court to recognize that states do not have the right to take away a person's right to arms but that the federal government does not, in fact, have the right to force states to provide for abortions. But that's not really how this works. How this works is the Supreme Court looked very closely at the affirmation that the Second Amendment, which says shall not be infringed, doesn't actually mean shall not be infringed, and said, yeah, it does. And then they looked at a previous ruling from the Supreme Court that said somewhere in the Constitution is the right to abortion, and they said, no, that's not actually in there. And this clarification does strengthen the trunk of the Tree of Liberty and has already borne some pretty good fruit on some of the branches thereof. So uh, I don't think that New York has actually responded uh, to the ruling quite yet, but New Jersey and California have already retreated from their uh, good cause and their other may issue requirements on, uh, on pistol permits. Because the purpose of the Constitution in limiting government actually, actually does work, even with all the dry rot, even with all the insect holes, even with all the attacks, even as bad as our judges and courts are today, even as bad as things are in California, California cannot afford to lose lawsuits over this. And so they will issue carry permits. Now, they're trying to figure out ways to close that giant loophole that was just cut into their uh, tyranny. And their governor is saying that they'll fight, but that's a lot of big blustery talk because their attorney general has told authorities, you must issue permits post haste, no more demanding of may issue good cause nonsense. And of course, this is not a total win. Forcing the state to give people permits is not as good as saying that permits aren't necessary, but it is, it's a step. And when other lawsuits get filed based on the text of this ruling, which has a lot uh, of potential good fruit coming. Uh, we're going to see a lot more wins. Essentially what we're doing here is we're grafting some of these limbs more firmly back into the trunk because a a limb that isn't firmly attached to the trunk isn't really uh, getting the nutrients that it requires, isn't really bearing the fruit that it could. In the same way that a right that is severely limited isn't really a right. Um, This idea that you can carry a gun, you can bear arms, only after you've jumped through a bunch of hoops that isn't really a right at all. It's just a a branch nailed to the side of a tree, but not really connected to the trunk. Another one that we gotta work on is the Fourth Amendment. The Fourth Amendment is very clear that there should be no seizures of property until after due process. But the way that a lot of law enforcement thinks now is, if you get your stuff back after due process, that counts. Um, but that, that's not a branch that is firmly attached to the trunk. That's not an actual right to property being recognized and honored. And one of the problems that we're running into in our culture today is that it's not just uh, the big mean federal government that wants to separate us from our rights. Because there are a lot of people that want to, uh, I don't know, graft other branches in that don't really belong on the tree cut branches off and put them in other places, all kinds of stuff like that. The more anarchistic mindset that Thomas Jefferson uh, was complaining about in the letter that I mentioned at the beginning of the episode basically says that you cut off whatever branches you want and you carry them with you instead of attaching them to the tree. Which brings us to a really, really important question. By what standard do we define this trunk? Having a really important idea of what the liberty actually is even though, in the purpose of this metaphor, it's, it's just a tree, is really important because you have to figure out how do you actually care for the tree? How do you actually prune the tree? What can you actually graft onto the trunk? How do you water the tree? And of course, how do you refresh the tree? Ah, yes, we're at the refreshing the tree part. Now, within the Second Amendment community, a lot of people that are hanging out uh, on those three gun culture branches Uh, I would say there is a disturbing trend towards a fairly reckless watering of the tree, a more anarchical sort of cut these three branches off that we like and go do our own thing, or a call to guillotine tyrants. And the French Revolution is a really good look at how an extremely unhealthy tree, which was uh, the French nation at that time, Uh, was not taken particularly good care of by the revolutionaries. Now, now Louis XIV was a total tyrant. In one of his quotes, he describes the state as being God walking on earth. It should have unlimited power, and Louis wanted unlimited power. That is totally the sort of person that needs to be removed from office, uh, if not turned into tree-refreshing liquid. The problem is that this sort of thing has to be done carefully or it gets out of hand. And the French Revolution absolutely got out of hand. The monarch and a bunch of aristocrats who uh, justly deserved removal got removed. But so did a whole bunch of other people. And Even after the first wave of the Revolution, we still hadn't started the Reign of Terror yet. The Reign of Terror killed at least 17,000 people in official guillotine executions in the city square. Approximately 10,000 people died in prison waiting for a trial, and there were probably another 30 to 40,000 people killed in rural areas by Jacobins that didn't have guillotines. This is all mob rule stuff. These people who were being killed were no longer monarchs, were no longer aristocrats. They were just the people that the revolutionaries didn't agree with. The French Revolution, in pursuit of liberty, did not result in any extra liberty for those people, or even for the people who were left behind. There was mass confiscations of land. Everything was sort of brought underneath an incredibly incompetent bureaucratic system that the Soviets admired right up until the collapse of their own bureaucratic system. And almost all of this was done by Robespierre while he was the head of the Committee of Public Safety. So this new governmental system that was created to liberate man had an unbelievable horrific effect and proves once again that unfettered bureaucracy government without limits always kills everybody who is inconvenient and that is just always a huge percentage of people now obviously uh, robespierre didn't last long before he was killed by his own subordinates but the next stage wasn't a whole lot better and then things didn't really improve until the directorate brought in napoleon and you got to ask yourself how insane and power hungry must a government be when the guy who literally crowned himself emperor is the one that brought a measure of sanity and restraint to it. And how bloodthirsty and horrific must a government be when an emperor who goes to war with Europe and Russia at the same time is a more peaceable guy that results in a lot fewer deaths. So yeah, the tree of liberty in France was not refreshed or improved by that particular revolutionary interlude. Which makes it all the more interesting that The American Revolution, the American War for Independence, the American pursuit of independence and liberty is a massive success. The 13 colonies uh, were, depending on how you want to look at it, one tree or 13 trees that were all flourishing at some level until there started to be tremendous impositions upon them by the crown. There started to be a lot of injustice. A lot of limbs were being cut off. A lot of their rights were being taken away. And the founding fathers were able to push back against the crown. They were able to refresh the tree of liberty. And the difficult war ended with a much stronger, larger, and more fruitful tree. The people that lived in its shade had far more freedom. They didn't just have the freedom to do whatever they wanted, but they had actual liberty. And so every year about this time, when everybody begins to talk about The war for American independence and the way that we fought back against the king, there are those who have a really clear picture of what that looked like, what sort of restraint was required, what sort of orderly purpose the founding fathers actually had, the deliberate way they went about preserving the rights of the people. And then there's people that just see it as a bunch of whiskey-guzzling American rednecks who just shot at some proper British guys because they wanted to do whatever they wanted. And when you look at America today, something that was once a very strong and healthy tree that is infested by a whole bunch of, well, parasites and has been attacked by a whole bunch of enemies, we need to be asking ourselves, what can we do that will restore this tree to health and actually result in the human flourishing of those people that live in its shade, as opposed to what the French did that just is almost too horrific to contemplate. So this July 4th, I want to be thinking about that tree. I want you to be thinking about the branches that matter and how you can cultivate them, how you can make sure that they are still attached to a good strong trunk and what it is that you yourself are rooted in and if you want to learn more about the differences between the american revolution or the american war for independence as i like to call it because it's not actually that revolutionary and the french revolution which was totally revolutionary there is a book called the origin and principles of the american revolution compared with the origin and principles of the french revolution which was written by a guy named friedrich gentz And he was actually present for the French Revolution. He was a German student who was really uh, interested in the ideas of third-wave Enlightenment guys. And he got really, really into the French Revolution. He was a huge fan uh, until it really got going. Then he was sort of horrified by it. And he took his observations of the French Revolution, made friends with a bunch of Americans, and uh, wrote—it's really a pretty small book. It's almost like an article, less than 100 pages long— and describes the differences between how it was started, how it was actually executed, and some of the end results. And uh, the version of the book that you can find was actually translated from the German by John Quincy Adams, who is a friend uh, of Frederick Getz. So I highly recommend that you read this book. I'm sure that you can find the text on the internet, it's, uh, it's definitely old enough to be in the public domain. And this Independence Day, please be thinking about this tree. I want us to be grateful for that. As as diseased as this tree has become, as weak and enfeebled as parts of it are, it represents a tremendous achievement that should not be forgotten. And I believe that it has a tremendous future ahead of it if we can just take care of this tree in the right ways. I realize it's not going to be particularly fun, It's probably not going to be particularly easy, and the more that you read about the war for American independence, uh, the more you realize that that was incredibly not fun, and tremendously not easy. But as bad as things look today on Twitter, it was worth it. And whatever we need to do to get this tree healthy again, with a strong trunk firmly rooted in the ground, able to bring shade and fruit to future generations, that'll be worth it too. So have a great Independence Day, you guys. Be grateful to God for the rights that He has given to us as individual humans, the institutions that He has given us, and the United States for all of its flaws, the tremendous example that it has been in the past, both for good and for bad, and the opportunities to be an example for good again. I think in this century, it's going to be more important than ever to take a really principled look at that Tree of Liberty because it's one of the last places where you can actually still See it.